1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630
2: Chad. All right. Good to have you
3: tuning in tonight. Second period about to begin in Philly, Boston up one, nothing on the Flyers. The lightning have already beaten the Red Wings five one more games postponed because of COVID in the NHL, the Minnesota wild five additional players being added to the COVID protocol related absence list. Is there an acronym for that? The the Sapral? I don't know. Something like that. The team's games will be postponed through at least February 9th. So Minnesota, Buffalo, New Jersey, and Vegas all in the middle of COVID delays here. Oilers back at it on Saturday when they will take on the Calgary Flames. Flames play again tomorrow in winnipeg that's the conclusion of that three game set yeah it's been a lot to talk about in the world of sports this week uh including a lot of news with the double e football team they got a new head coach on monday that is jamie elizondo and some significant player movement over the last couple of days uh one guy coming in and one guy on the way out to discuss that and more it is the producer of this very program our color analyst for our football broadcast here on 630 Jet, the one and only dave campbell dave how are you doing Hey, Reid, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for checking in. Uh, I know you've been watching every Oilers game as well, and you, uh, you are not optimistic, first of all, about the future of the Ottawa Senators, are you?
2: <laughs> Jeez. Uh, okay, so you and I text a lot um we can't explain everything that we are we can't say everything that we text and i wouldn't say it anyway it's not like it's bad stuff but i texted you and i said uh oh i just heard the ottawa senators have been relegated to the east coast hockey league because that that is that is the level i feel they're at right now like it's just it's just sad and, and it's not that they don't compete it's when they compete oh we're down three nothing better start throwing checks, better start blocking shots, better start for checking, better start, you know, doing the things we need to do. Um, and it's not at zero, zero, zero Brady could, uh, could Um it, You know, it's what AJ Jakubek said two nights ago. I mean, uh, and I've watched them a fair bit this year because I mean, it's the Canadian division. So you get a chance to do that a bit more. And I think it's just because of the interest level. That's a bad hockey. That's a bad hockey team, you know, and, you know the goaltender. You and I were talking about it earlier. Hogberg, and you and you have said it. You probably said it already on the show. I heard you and Rob last night talking about it. I mean, he wasn't even excited. Drysaddle to score the goal because he had half the net. It felt like shinny to him. So they are a terrible hockey team right now. Will it get better? Maybe. Um, they got to get the kids in the lineup. I think because if 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 you have this go on for much longer with your veterans, I think it's going to go south. Well,
3: I, I hope not because they do have some exciting young players. Stutzlow was, quite frankly, a joy to watch in person in those two games back on the ice where he was a star at the World Juniors. Look, I, I, I covered the Oilers for several years of the, the decade of darkness and watching Ottawa felt like a couple, not, not every year the Oilers missed the playoffs, but a couple of the really... Bad years. I mean, the first year I did the face-off show and overtime open line was the year they started four fifteen and two. I mean, you are twenty-one games into the season and it's over. Um, And I am afraid that even in this smaller division where you you play your same competitors over and over again, Ottawa's on the verge of being out of it early. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. yeah, they. they, I mean, they did work. Like they didn't give up in either third period, but what do good teams do. Good teams usually have at least acceptable goaltending. And hey, in Edmonton, we know there's been a lot of discussions about the goaltending. But Koskinen has not yep. been as poor as as Hogberg or Hogberg or whatever he's going by now was in those two games. And Murray only lasted six minutes in in the first game. And what a bad teams do, they fall behind. They they don't start yep. the game well, you know. And that and that you know we saw Oilers team, teams when they were bad do that. Even this year, they've had a couple of problems. with with starts but not it's not a you know, thing that's happening over and over again so Ottawa you don't have a lot of talent you're falling behind and you're not getting saves that's the the unholy trinity so to speak for <laughs> for, for teams that, that they're losing but I, I hope they get better and I mean look I, I don't want to say they're a free space on the bingo card they will beat the Oilers this year they are playing them nine times you just have to hope it's not more than you know two or three times for Edmonton to bank most of those <laughs> points uh, what, yes. what, did, what did you like most about the Oilers the last three games
2: you know, I, I just think it's it's all the, the, everything that they talked about has come together uh, for, for the most part. I like the way they they bat. Honestly, I, you know, I go back to the, uh, the, the, the previous game they lost to Toronto, the first game of that series. Um, I didn't like their first two periods. I liked their third, and I thought they not that you can carry momentum over game to game, but it almost felt like something perhaps clicked. And I I just like the, the energy they brought against the Leafs. And then I was really concerned going into the second game of the back-to-back, which was the first game of the series between the Oilers and the Senators. And we know the story that Stuart Skinner started and, you know, I had a level of concern because this wasn't supposed to be the plan, right? Obviously from, from day one, but he came in and, you know, what, what did his team do? They gave him a five, one lead. And they gave him a 5-3 lead. I know it was you know, a little tenuous there at the, the the end of the first. Then it was an 8-3 lead and it was a, an 8-5 win. So, you know, job one. They, they they won the game and it was good. Last night, I thought it was a much more controlled pace um, and it's nice to see secondary scoring. Um, and, you know, yeah, they kind of, I don't know if they let the foot off the gas. They weren't maybe as, uh, the the attention to detail maybe went away a little bit, but uh you know I, I think that was not all that big of a deal I like how they're defending better I think there is some issues but you know I, I think it is coming around a little bit I like Bouchard's game I think you need you need another puck mover back there and if you can find a way to keep him in with Ethan bear great and um you know they're, they're getting timely saves now two of the three games that we have seen and they'll throw Skinner there uh, in there as well a little bit because I thought he got better as the game went on uh, on Sunday but you know they're getting some saves now as well. Oh, and that power play's pretty good too. Tyson Berry looks like the Tyson Berry um what he was supposed to bring. The sad part and it's gayton Haas's game right now, but Kyle turris it, it's just it's been terrible so far, you know. It's it, you know, but the good news is gayton Haas has come in and has looked pretty uh pretty serviceable in that third line role.
3: Yeah yeah and i mean look i don't want to write tourists off he's he's a pro he's been at it a while so i'm sure he's had slumps before so hopefully he can turn it around and contribute more and somebody wrote in after the game and said is is the kyle tourist experiment over and i was like well this is not an experiment no. i mean this, this is uh, this isn't <laughs> let's try a guy out and send him back to the minors if he doesn't work this is a a proven NHL player that you need to play in both ends of the rink on the third line. And it hasn't been um, happening for him at either end. So, but he's, he's going to stick with it and hopefully it turns around and you know, six and six, we're not, you're not going to throw a parade over six and six, but considering you were, three and six, and you've already played the Leafs and the Canadians a total of six times, then maybe you got a chance to make up a little bit of ground here. Okay, Dave, let's dive into the double-E football stuff because there's been some significant announcements. Let's start with the longtime member of the team who is who is moving on. Tell us about this uh, parting of the ways with Armando Seawell.
2: Yeah, nine seasons as a member of the Green and Gold. I mean, look at the accolades. A great cup champion in 2015, seven-time Western Division All-Star, six-time CFL All-Star. Uh, I said uh, yesterday on Twitter, I said, I think he's been the most consistent and the best player over the last 10 years that I've seen. And that is considering there's been some spectacular players that have suited up for the for the Green and Gold. Uh, but I just think when I look at how he was uh, on that line. Uh, he was a, a tremendous player. For, for that amount of time. So um, the uh, Edmonton football team granted Amando Sewell permission to talk to other teams two weeks ago. So it was pretty clear that at that point that this was not going to uh, work out as far as bringing him back. So now that being said, there were still offers exchanged, but it just came down to the dollar amount that, uh, that uh, GM Brock Sunderland felt that he was being uh, – being asked from Sewell's camp was just not reasonable to what, what Brock Sunderland saw on the overall scope of his D line. You got to remember you got Mike Moore and Jake Serezna. Now they are 26 years old, both of them. Uh, but both of them are really, really solid. I mean, Serezna in 2018 in a season where he was a rotational d- defensive tackle, uh, didn't start every game, uh, picked up eight quarterback sacks. Mike Moore had eight quarterback sacks in 2019. Now, Mondo Sewell had nine. He had a pretty uh, good year, but, it, you know, the, the first part of the season was better than the second half, but you know, uh, I, they have the depth and when you have the depth and you do have younger depth and they are very, very solid, then when you're the older veteran, it, it's hard to, um, you know, it's really just hard to muscle your way back in there. I'll use the word muscle cause it's Mondo. Um, so when you have the positional depth that they have, you know, it's, it is hard for Brock Sunderland and I think the football team just to see even though you have been a, a tremendous player that, you know, how long do you have left for perhaps uh, at 34 years old compared to what we have now and what they have now on their stable is pretty good. So um, I'm hearing uh, the Eastern Division will be his destination Toronto has been banning the bout, but I'd say don't uh, discount the Montreal Alouettes in this equation as well.
3: Sean Lemons, the new guy on the defensive line, well-known, really good player for, uh, well, 107 games, however many seasons that is in the, in the CFL, had, had a look in the NFL. That'd be team. nine. <laughs> is, this not the, is this not the guy, though, that a lot of double-E fans hate? Like, didn't he in uniform go pose with Chris Jones' motorcycle after a game or two and make a lot of people
2: mad? Remember that, huh?
3: Oh, I remember <laughs> it's that. Hard to well, and
2: of course, I remember that.
3: And of course, Section O had to post it again on Instagram today. Oh, he did, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. He went <laughs> he's and dug all, it off. It's
2: all forgiven from Section O. It's all forgiven. Well, uh, oh, uh, probably not. From I,
3: just, I just scrolled past it and yeah. I was like, oh, there's Section O at it again.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> when you compare, <laughs> that's funny, when you compare the D line as I just talked about to the defensive end position. This is where the things, uh, you know, variables change. I, I got a lot of feedback about this signing today saying, well, he's, how old is he? 32. Well, he's two years younger than Amando Sewell. Why can't Seawell stay? Um, well, because again, the depth along the, the interior D line and the stellar play that those two individuals that I mentioned earlier, more in Ceresna, uh, that is a big reason why Amando Sewell is not back here you look at the defensive end spot, you got Kwaku Boateng at one spot, who is a tremendous rush in you have Matthew Betts, who was their third overall pick not too long ago in the CFL draft, I believe in 2019 and good player out of Laval, but you know, a little raw and then there's going to be some new newer players from the U S coming in and, and some from some from Canada as well. I think Sean Lemon is a good stabilizing force on that, on that rush end spot because you know, he's, he's got 70 sacks in his career and, I was talking to Morley Scott earlier today, and I think, what do you say, over 40 in the last uh, few seasons. So he's, you know, he maybe was not noted as a big pass rusher in the first part of his career, but definitely by the end of uh, this time period, he is uh, one of the best in the league. Um, you know, he said three times where he's had double-digit sack totals, and uh, he's won two great cups. I think he just comes in and fills a skill position concern for... The uh, double E uh, from a pass rush perspective. And when you lose Almondo Sewell, you lose some leadership. I think Sean Lemon will come in and he knows uh, the ins and outs of the Edmonton football team because he was here in 2012 and uh, had a pretty good year that year. And uh, in only 12 games, he had six sacks. So he he was pretty effective as a pass rusher, but he's going to come in and bring some leadership as well.
3: All right. Going to be interesting to see him for sure. Dave, let me ask you this as well. You are a supporter of a football team known as the New England Patriots. I feel when I say that, it's important to point out <laughs> that you were a fan prior to 2000 or yes. 1999, whenever the first one was. It's been so damn long already
2: that they they were good. 2002. Uh, uh, was that the first one? Didn't they win one before that? Yep okay that was anyway. the uh for Super Bowl after 9-11 oh yeah of course okay so yeah.
3: anyway uh so you, you were you were not just like oh this Patriots team is good so now I'm going to start cheering for them so how have you processed this season and now this week with Brady the former hero of the New England team taking Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl will you take a cheer like obviously you're going to watch the game will you actively be like oh i still love brady because he was a patriot so i want him to win how are you feeling about this
2: you know i'm uh very impressed with the story of tom brady this year uh, i'm very impressed that he's going to his 10th super bowl with a chance to win his eighth ring um i'm or seventh ring um i'm impressed that uh this is the first time in NFL history that a team gets to host the game in their own stadium. Cause we know in the CFL that's happened several times. You know, I, I look at this season with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it, it feels like there were, there were several seasons in one where, you know, the start was a little rough and then, they won some games and they got back to 500. Then they went on a tear. Then they fell back a bit. And then they had a really good end of the season. I, you know, I look at Tom Brady and the relationship with Bruce Arians and and, and the head coach, and I go, there's a battle of egos right here because Bruce Arians wants to do what he wants to do offensively. And Tom Brady's going, this is what I need to do. And I, th- I think it took a while for them to kind of get on the same page. Now they're on the same page. Will I support Tom Brady in this game? Sure. But am I going to rapidly cheer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? No, <laughs> I will not do that. But, you know, and I don't even think they're going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to win. And I say that knowing, how can you bet against Tom Brady? Well, I can bet against Tom Brady because I think he's been all right in these playoffs. But he did throw three picks on three consecutive possessions in the AFC cha- or the NFC championship game against the Packers, their defense, who are not bad. I mean, they're very good at average points allowed. They're top 10 and yards allowed. Um, but, you know, they're uh, they not noted for being the best defense, but they did their job. Uh, or sorry, the Packers did their job uh, against Brady, and so did, so did the Bucs. So it's just, you look at Pat Mahomes and you go, this isn't Aaron Rodgers. And somehow, Pat Mahomes has flown under the radar this year. 38 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 316 passing yards per game on average. That's crazy. And they're so dynamic on defense as well. The scary thing, though, I think for the Chiefs, Tom Brady has two weeks to look at you. So will that will that make a difference? So I'm going to support Tom, uh, but am I cheering Rabidly for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, I'm cheering hard for a big game, and uh, I, I congrat I, I congratulate the NFL because they found a way to get through this COVID era and have a season.
3: I'm going to put a totally different spin on this that is going to annoy Patriots and Brady fans. Don't forget, well, if Tom, Tom Tom Brady is on the brink of of becoming the losingest quarterback in Super Bowl history, along with Jim Kelly. <laughs> we'll just leave out the part that he's he's won more than anybody else but uh that's true though that's true it is true jim Jim (laughs) kelly as jim kelly lost the four in a row uh elway lost three uh who else is on here multiple times Uh, peyton manning obviously lost two uh fran tarkenton lost three or did he lose four fran tarkenton lost three so uh yeah brady could join jim kelly as the biggest quarterbacking failure in the, in the history of the Super Bowl, I'm just annoying anybody who cheers for the Patriots can, right now. Yes. Can,
2: can I say one thing? You know how much it bothers me that that now uh, you know, good on them. But you know how much it bothers me that the Patriots lost to Eli Manning twice. Eli Manning, who's going to go in the Hall of Fame as uh, two-time average quarterbacks in NFL history. <laughs>
3: Your, your connection was breaking up. See, that's how powerful Eli Manning is.
2: <laughs> start- See, I can't stand the guy. And I like Peyton Manning. And he's, he's beaten the Patriots too. It's Eli Manning twice in the Super Bowl. The average quarterback. One of the most average quarterbacks in NFL history. He was going to go in the Hall of Fame. It's not fair. Tom could have had eight Super Bowls by now.
3: Dave, you better go outside and roll around in the snow to cool
2: off. It's cold out there, though. It's really cold. That'll fix me, though. Yeah, I'm going to go right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
3: That was fun to have Dave Campbell on the show who is picking the Chiefs, though a little bit of sentimental feeling for Tom Brady going into that game. We'll do our uh, guaranteed to be correct Super Bowl predictions on Friday. And uh, well we got a hockey game Saturday so maybe we can rope some of the uh, guys on the hockey broadcast into doing their picks as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. if you would like to chime in tonight, I will uh, hopefully get some of your feedback before we sign off tonight. We are going to go to Tampa, Super Bowl City when we get back. Pat Donovan has a good old sports radio show on WDAE 95.3 in Tampa. He's been doing a show on location, uh, on location such as it is for the Super Bowl. We'll find out what's the vibe there. How's it going for the Bucks and the Chiefs setting up for the big game? Next on Inside Sports. Thank you Mr. McDavid. Bruins and Flyers 1-1 late. In the second period, Pasternak and Hayes, the goal scorers earlier, Tampa Bay knocking off Detroit five-one. Tampa goes to six-one and one. The Wings are now two-seven and two. The Minnesota Wild adding five players to the NHL's COVID protocol-related absence list, so the team's games postponed at least through f- Tuesday, February 9th. Vegas, New Jersey, Buffalo also have been, uh, you know, had situations where they've had to wait to play games because of COVID. So you can add the Minnesota wild to that list was talking about it with Dave Campbell, the double E football team signing Sean lemon defensive lineman with 70 sacks in his 107 game career and uh, fellow defensive lineman, Armando Sewell long career with the green and gold. He is uh, moving on. Dave thinks he's going to land in the Eastern conference, perhaps with the Toronto Argos. So, Uh, interesting little note here before I bring our next guest onto the show. Um, You you probably know this, the, the, the teams are called, you got the Tampa Bay lightning, you got the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got the Tampa Bay. I think they're the rays. Now they were like the devil rays for a while. And then that name was too scary. So now they're the rays. I think it's something like that. So, but there is no city called Tampa Bay. There's Tampa and there's St. Petersburg. So uh, the, the guest I have coming up here, he was on the show a little while ago and we, we were talking about that. So I thought, okay, we're going to send this guy. We're So I, I, I put up one of those. I, I did like a collection around the office, except we can't, we can't gather. We, we can't actually be at the office. So I, I just, Kellen set up one of those little jars and people could, could, could put money in it. And we got enough money to buy like an inflatable, like is it a dinghy? Like, I don't know, Edmonton's a landlocked city. So we got some kind of a dinghy or something like that. And we sent the dinghy down to Pat Donovan, who joins me now from WDA in 95.3. And I said, Pat, next time you're on my show, can you get in this dinghy And with your cell phone, and we'll call you while you're in Tampa Bay so we can actually say we're going to Tampa Bay, even though that's not an actual city. So I hope the waters are peaceful for you, Pat, and you have good reception right now.
1: Yeah, they're they're not bad, and I got to tell you that, you know, I'm feeling a little bit ungrateful for Tampa Bay and being in Tampa Bay after hearing uh, a weather report during your commercial break
3: oh yeah it's cold here buddy yeah it's cold (laughs) no you gotta remember we're celsius right so i i will convert it my uh minus i got minus 19 celsius to fahrenheit i don't know what that would be for you guys uh that's minus two fahrenheit so that's cold yeah it's too much for me and listen i'm from the northeast so it's not like um
1: You know, lifelong Floridian, but uh, you catch it when you move down here, and you
3: can't. We're so soft; it's unbelievable. (laughs) Well, what's the what's a cold day in in your region? Like, what would be? And you'll have to help with the conversion because I don't know. I I can convert it on Uh, the fly, but what's a cold day in Fahrenheit for you?
1: So, uh, this morning when I got up, it was in the low 40s here and uh, when i got done on radio row it was about 60 degrees and then that's uh, that's a pretty brisk day for us for sure
3: okay so 45 let's say 45 fahrenheit that's seven celsius i mean we would consider at this time of year we would consider that warm if it was you know the spring or the summer and it was seven celsius we'd be like okay this is this is this is silly but see the thing is in edmonton you can have days where it's in the winter where it's minus 30 Celsius, especially with the wind chill, And then you can have uh, days in the summer where it's plus 30 Celsius. So we can get like 60 degree swings, which would be even a larger swing in Fahrenheit. So we get it all, baby. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it sounds incredible. And someday I hope to uh,
1: come up there and experience it in the summer.
3: Well, see, I know you mean that sincerely because some people say, like, oh, yeah, I want to go to Edmonton someday. But I know we've, we've talked enough that I, that I know you mean that. We, well, who knows? We'll get you. If, if the Oilers ever have a deep run and they play the Lightning in the final, that'd be in June. So we'll get you up here for that one way or the other. Okay. Let, let's dive into the Super Bowl stuff because I saw some photos on your Twitter account today. And mm. you are broadcasting, it appears to me, on location – It does not appear to be as bustling a location as perhaps it would usually be during the Super Bowl. Where where have you been doing your show?
1: Yeah, well, it's Radio Row, and it was Radio Row last year. But boy, is it very, very different than it was a year ago. I mean, you know, you couldn't turn around last year without running into a, a Hall of Famer or, you know, some kind of celebrity, uh, somebody from sports. I mean, they they were just everywhere. And, you know, I think we did 56 interviews in five days, and we're doing a ton of interviews this year, but almost every single one of them was on the phone. We had a handicapper who showed up in person today because I think he wanted the free lunch, Uh, and then the mayor of Tampa came over today uh, because she was obligated to. But other than that, it's very, very
3: quiet on Radio Row. I love you, you didn't sound that thrilled. Oh, the mayor came over because she was obligated to. What? Like, you, you didn't book that ahead of time. <laughs> I love her. We did book it ahead of time. I mean,
1: okay. I love the mayor. She does a fantastic job. But I, I, you know, I just I feel like if she wasn't the mayor, would she be there? Like, like if right. she had the choice? Like a lot of people, I, I don't know that the answer is yes. Because I'll tell you, there's about five radio stations today, and I might be exaggerating a little bit not by much man not by much
3: it's drastically different and it's weird so how weird is it then that the Bucs are in the game well and by the way the host team has never been in there before how weird is it that the Bucs are in the game and is it, it like it still must be relatively subdued because people can't i assume go out and celebrate and party to the same level
1: not to the same level no but we do have a lot going on and the nfl and and the city has done a very good job when it comes to you know being able to do the nfl experience and some of the different things around town certainly not like you would be used to around a super bowl city but more so than i think a lot of people expected when we knew that we would be doing this under these Kind of weird restrictions and all the stuff that comes along with COVID. But when you talk about how weird it is that the Buccaneers are not just playing in a Super Bowl, but doing so in their own stadium. It's weird in COVID, man. Like, you talk about weird. This is a team with the worst winning percentage in the history of pro sports. They haven't been in the playoffs in 13 years. There's been almost nothing credible about this organization. I mean, they have good ownership and stuff, but there's just done very little right since I've been in Tampa Bay. And then all of a sudden, oh, let's go
3: stumble on the greatest player of all time and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. <laughs> I love how you subbed that. Up. I didn't realize are they're the worst winning percentage of the Big Four. I didn't realize that in in all, not just in the NFL, in all of sports. Yeah, yeah. I man, I didn't know that. I'd never looked that up. Okay, well, and I guess with football too. I mean, because uh, a, a bad football team will go two and fourteen. A bad baseball or hockey team is still going to get to three fifty or four hundred, I suppose. But yeah, in, in football, you can they can really rack up the losses. Um, I haven't even looked it up uh, since then, but I think it was before
1: the NFC championship game we were talking about how Tom Brady had already accounted for more than a quarter of the Buccaneers playoff victories in his career.
3: <laughs> well yeah, I guess that's a good point because they'd only <laughs> been to the one Super Bowl and what was it one NFC yeah. championship game besides the the year they won? Because they lost to the Rams, didn't they? Like 11-6 or something one year, I want to say. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. Pat Donovan joining us uh, from Tampa. Setting up the uh, the Super Bowl. Okay, so who is who is going to the game? Can anybody go who might have had a ticket, or is it just all uh, health care workers and stuff?
1: Anybody could go that had a couple 20, 30 grand laying around that they wanted to spend on a ticket. And and, and that is anybody within 14,000 people. It's going to be 22,000 at the game when it comes to the attendance, 7,500 of them, and many of them Tampa area healthcare workers. But yeah, as as you mentioned, 7,500 of them will be vaccinated healthcare workers. So 1,400, I believe was the, uh, I'm sorry to say 14,000 was the number of tickets that were going to be available to the public and the 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 price has just been astronomical as it is every super bowl but this one because of the limited attendance just again fourteen thousand tickets available for purchase they're going really high
3: so it will still i mean there will be enough bucks fans it might sort of feel like a home game or or am i getting ahead of myself well, I think a little bit, because again, of the
1: healthcare workers, very many of those will be from the Tampa Bay area. So I expect a lot of those will be Buccaneer fans. And then I, you know, I know at least of, if, if, you know, a, a decent amount of Bucks fans that have found a way to kind of wriggle up the money and, and figure out how to get tickets. So, you know, it's not going to f- feel like a full fledged home game, but we're kind of used to that in Tampa Bay because everybody here is, you know, is from somewhere else. If you're a, if you're from Tampa Bay, if you're a homegrown Floridian, you're like an endangered species. Literally nobody at my radio station grew up here. Very few people grew up here. This is It's a transient place, so it's a weird place where we're kind of used to
3: having fans from the opposing team in the building. It's weird. Okay. F- from a football standpoint, uh, you know, obviously Brady's on the team, so he's going to get the headlines. But I-, I watch their games, and should the headline not really be tampa bay's defense powers the team to the super bowl not so much tom brady what do you have to say about that
1: well listen every single guy on this team will tell you they're just not here without Tom Brady. And and that doesn't mean because he's a starting quarterback, because every team in the NFL is basically screwed. Almost all of them, if they lose their starting quarterback. But just the way that he's changed this franchise and everything within this franchise, including that locker room, is the reason why they are where they are. They're not here without Tom Brady. So it, for an, if you're looking at everything, you say, yeah, no, it's, it's very much about Tom Brady. But if you're looking at just... Less than two weeks ago for the NFC Championship game. Absolutely, because I thought we were going to see Tom Brady pull his face off and Jameis Winston was hiding underneath because three interceptions. On three consecutive drives, I don't know that that's ever happened to Tom Brady, let alone in a championship game. Three consecutive drives, he threw a big interception, and that defense came up and forced eight three and out to Aaron Rodgers and a very good Packers team to hold on to that football game. So certainly ten days ago, or whatever, whatever the heck it is now, uh, you know, last Sunday, that was that was very much about the defense. But overall, they're not here without Tom.
3: Okay, so. The, the Chiefs are favored how do you how do you see it playing out on Sunday well let me ask you this what has to go right for the Bucks to to finish off this great run
1: well the offense has to keep kind of clicking as it has over this seven game win streak going back into the regular season but they're also going to need to have a big game or at least a couple big plays from their defense and listen if it doesn't come from the pass rushers uh, I have a Strong suspicion it's going to come from Devin White, the middle, number 45. Their young middle linebacker is one of the more exciting and one of the more intelligent young defensive players in the NFL. But when you look up front, you know, they got Vita Vea back in the NFC Championship game. And he's a guy that you know, he doesn't always show up on the stack column because a lot of defensive tackles don't but just the way that he pushes the pocket from the center the fact that you know you have to have three hands on this guy because he's so big so you're, you're occupying at least one of your offensive linemen and another guy kind of giving some help that makes things so much easier for the guys on the outside like Shaq Barrett and Jason Peter Paul so you have to take advantage of the fact that Kansas City is going to be without both of their original starting tackles of course Mitchell Schwartz has been out since week six but to be without left tackle eric fisher the guy's an elite level left tackle in this game and and people don't always think about it or realize it. those are as difficult to find as an elite level quarterback and to be without a guy like that it's a really big deal and the bucks are going to look to exploit that there's no question about it will they be able to if they are it's going to make it really interesting
3: Okay, uh, we got to talk some hockey since you're on in Edmonton. Before you go, I mentioned the Lightning score; they win again. They're six one and one. You know they beat the Wings, who obviously aren't you know aren't that great, but still six one and one is six one and one. You know for the for the Lightning here, is there any uh, is there any storyline besides still looking good, <laughs> or what's it been with them? Well,
1: yeah, you said the the Red Wings aren't very good. I knew you were a nice guy because that's that's a very nice (laughs) way to put it. That team does not look uh, very much ready to compete in this league uh, right away. Certainly, I look very young, but yeah, not very good. Uh, But let's say, yeah, it's very good when it does come to the Lightning. Yes, also, I think, you know, if you're looking for a storyline, it's for this team to kind of continue to be able to do what they did a year ago in and obviously through the playoffs but right now doing it uh, once again, right, without one of the best players in hockey. And I think obviously being without Nikita Kucherov for at least the regular season is a huge storyline and will remain a huge storyline throughout the regular season for this hockey team. And then it's going to be interesting to see, do they get him back for a playoff run to try to repeat as Stanley Cup champions? And then on the flip side of that major story is the other one that, listen, when is the last time we saw Steven Stamkos look healthy at all. It's been a long time. He's been injury prone, and he'll certainly he's got a long way to go to get through this season. But the way that he started this season, especially just how good he looks physically, um, that is about as encouraging as anything a Lightning fan has seen since they raised the cup to see Steven Stamkos get back and look like Steven Stamkos. If they can get Cooch back for the playoffs and Stamkos is still playing at the level he started this season makes them incredibly dangerous when you're talking about trying to go back to back.
3: Yeah, I I lied. I got one more for you because, you know, Canada's basketball team is uh, the Raptors. Are are, are, (laughs) are they being embraced or is it just kind of like whatever? (laughs) Yeah, they're not yours anymore. As a matter of fact, we're keeping them. We're not going to give them back.
1: Uh, this is very much a coup, and uh, we're taking we're taking the Toronto now Tampa Bay Raptors. Listen, so it's it's a market where it's very interesting a lot of times, if we were to bring up the NBA uh, over the you know over the years on the radio here in Tampa, we'd get a spattering of people that were excited about it, and then we'd get a handful of people that were like, "Shut up! Who cares about the NBA?" And <laughs> So, but th- I think there were certainly people going to the games uh, while that was allowed. Of course, we've pulled back on that because there was a bit of a spike in COVID at the end of the year. So they decided the lightning decided first, like, Hey, you know what? Probably not a great idea to have fans in the building. And Oh, by the way, Toronto, uh, since you're here as well, uh, you're not going to either, but uh, I think people have been excited for it. Uh, they're kind of having a lot of fun with it. You know, there, of course hashtag we, the North, right. That was the hashtag for the Toronto La- Raptors last year. We've got uh hashtag. We, the South people are using, <laughs> I actually have a t-shirt. I, I kept saying, we the South is too unoriginal. It's exactly what they did with We the North. So I said we should be using We Not the North. So I actually got a T-shirt. Somebody made me a T-shirt that says We Not the North. And, again, after hearing that report earlier on the weather, I'm thank God we're not the North. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been embraced by some, not by all. But I, I, love, I love having the NBA in our backyard. I'd like to see it continue.
3: Pat, you are always entertaining and insightful. Enjoy covering the Super Bowl this week, man. I'll let you uh, row safely back to shore. Really appreciate your time. Anytime, my friend. That is Pat Donovan checking in from WDAE Sports Radio in Tampa, Florida. A lot of football talk there as we get you ready for the Super Bowl. A little bit of hockey, a little bit of hoops. Good to talk to Pat. All right, we got to take a quick timeout inside sports on Jet. Right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Some other hockey notes today. Doug Armstrong named the general manager for the Canadian Olympic hockey team for Beijing 2022. Ken Holland of your Edmonton Oilers will be the associate general manager. He was talking to Stoffer about getting this role earlier today.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's a tremendous honor. Uh, like you said, anytime you can represent your country, um, an in international uh, play, so I'm so fortunate to have been involved a few times in the past, and uh, Doug Armstrong reached out to me here uh, in the last little while that uh, I know Tom Rennie had talked to him about uh, heading up the uh, management team for the Olympics if NHL players uh, participate, and uh, you know, I worked with Doug in the 2010 Olympic team, the 2014 Olympic team, and the 2016 World Cup team, so it's a it's a tremendous honour, and uh, um you know it's a great uh, wonderful good group of uh people i get I get to work with
3: holland also spent a little bit of time forecasting the makeup of canada's 2022 roster
0: yeah i mean obviously you know from 2014 to 2022 that's going to be eight years between canada's involvement in the uh with nhl players in the olympics so uh, you know, there's obviously going to be the, the changeover, uh, and there's lots of great young, Canada's producing lots of great young players, so you know, I think the game is built on uh, speed, speed and skill, uh, competitiveness, and uh, you know, I think that there's, there's there's lots of Canada, again, Canada's got a deep pool of players, so uh, uh, we're, we're confident that we're going to put a a team together that the Canadian fans are going to be be proud of, but it's, it's going to be built upon, like I said, speed, skill, and uh, and and compete.
3: All right, a little bit there from Ken Holland. Full interview if you sign up for the podcast for Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, or you can go to that show page on 630 chedcom Bob had a full interview with Ken Holland earlier today. Checking the NHL scoreboard here before we go. It is uh, still 1-1 Bruins on the Flyers, the third period about to start. And uh, as I was talking about with Pat Donovan, the Lightning going to 6-1-1 with a win earlier today, 5-1 over the Detroit Red Wings. The Oilers did not practice today, back at it tomorrow, getting ready for the first battle of Alberta this season. The first of 10. How does that sound? It's going to be Saturday at 8. The coverage on 6.30 Ched will start with the face-off show At 6.30, of course, it was uh, a year ago, what would have it been Monday, that we had the goalie fight between Smith and Talbot. Talbot no longer with the Calgary Flames. Mike Smith not on the Oilers' active roster, though he has been practicing and looks good to return, uh, probably for the two games in Ottawa on Monday and Tuesday. Maybe he'll get into one of those games. I would certainly expect Koskinen to get another start on Saturday. All right, you heard from Pat Donovan, Dave Campbell. And Kelly Rudy, thanks to Dave. He's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Bob has Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. I'll be back with you from six to eight tomorrow night. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening.
1: Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.